You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We're going to go to 1 Samuel and chapter number 1. Thank you, Pastor Treber, for the honor of speaking tonight. I'm looking forward to our Bible study tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 1. What a wonderful service tonight. Uh, the great singing, specials. I always enjoy hearing our pastor lead our music, and so I thank God for that. 1 Samuel chapter number 1. 1 Samuel chapter number 1. I want to ask you to help me, if you would, and we'll read the first seven verses. I'll read verse number 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'll read verse 1. We'll all read together verse 2, and then I'll read verse 3, and we'll read in that manner down to verse 7. We'll all finish up reading verse number 7, 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning there in verse number 1. If you found it, say amen. amen. Thank you. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, Now there was... A certain man of Arimathaeum Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephrathite, altogether. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Altogether, verse 7, And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she told her, therefore she wept and did not eat. I want to call your attention to verse number 6. The first phrase there says that her adversary, she provoked her. Verse number 7 says that she provoked her, and therefore she wept and did not eat. We have three different people here. Elkanah is the husband. Peninnah, and then Hannah. We know the story. Hannah did not have a child. She wanted a child, and yet she didn't have a child. And Hannah here, she feels provoked. She frets. She agonizes. Hannah's troubled. Hannah's in anguish. So much so that the Bible says she couldn't even eat. You ever felt like that? You ever felt so antagonized and fretted so much and perhaps irritated to the point where you can't even eat or sleep? I can imagine Penina. Here she comes, and early in the morning she's got to get all the kids up, you know, waking them up because of school bus or the Maybe the school horse and buggy, right? It's coming to 
up. She's getting the kids up, and it's implied here that she had 10 children. And she's getting them up and getting them ready for school and feeding them breakfast. And she goes by Hannah and she says, Hannah, why aren't you up yet? I mean, you got to get the kids up and get them ready for school. Oh, that's right. You don't have any children, do you? The Bible says she provoked her, antagonized her. She, they would go to the house of God. The Bible says that they would go up once a year. And as they would go up, the Bible tells us that they would offer a sacrifice. Elkanah would offer a sacrifice for all of Peninnah's children. One for every one of them. All of the sons, all of the daughters. And then he'd offer a portion for Hannah as well. And I'm sure as she was offering those sacrifices, they're excited about this, and they make it a yearly occasion, their pilgrimage to the house of God. And as they're going, I'm sure that she's antagonizing her. Look at all of our sacrifices. Where, where are all of yours? Oh, you, you just get one, don't you? You don't have any children, do you? So Hannah comes to the house of God. She can't eat. I'm sure she can't sleep. Hannah is going to come to the house of God, and she's going to have to give this over to the Lord. She's going to come to the altar, and she's going to begin praying. There's no one else she can talk to about this situation. Her husband can't understand. She can't talk to her friends about it. All of her friends have children. She can't talk to Peninnah about it, obviously. She's her adversary. The only person she can talk to about it is the Lord. Have you ever been in a situation where the only person you can talk to about your troubles is the Lord? That's exactly what Hannah does. She has to place it on the altar before the Lord. She has to take that, perhaps, jealousy envy. Perhaps bitterness is beginning to set in. That unforgiveness. And like each one of us, she has to take it and place it on the altar. Hannah, I want you to understand tonight, God has something great for you. Hannah, God has something in store for you. But first, Hannah, you have to come and you have to come to the altar and turn some things over to the Lord first. Sometimes God can't give us what he wants to give us because there's a biblical principle. God can't fill that which is already filled. God cannot fill that which is not empty. God cannot fill that which is full of self. God cannot fill that which is already filled of jealousy and envy and bitterness and unforgiveness. And Hannah comes and she begins to weep at the altar. God... When will you answer my prayer? God, I've been waiting so long. You know, I've been asking for this for so long. I've been patient for so long. And God, as he responds to you and I, God is saying the same thing. God's saying, I've been waiting for so long. I've been patient for so long. I've been wondering when you're going to empty yourself so that I can fill you. God says, I cannot do what you want me to do until you do what I want you to do. Amen. Would you look now at verse number 8? I want to show you something here. Verse number 8 says, Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? Why is that heart grieved? I always chuckle when I read this question. Am not I better to thee than ten sons? Husbands, don't try that on your wife, okay? 
She says in verse number 9, So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest, Eli's the man of God. Eli's God's man for this family. Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. I've underlined in my Bible verse number 11 where it says, And she vowed a vow. I want to talk to you tonight in this message about the principle of the vow. The principle of promise. God's promise and our promise as well. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. That implicates that it was a Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow simply means a consecrated vow. He's separated. He is dedicated to the Lord. We know that Samson was another one that was dedicated to the Lord from birth. They were to abstain from some particular items. They were to abstain from raisins and grapes and grape juice and any vinegar that was made from grapes. There was a ritual regarding the cutting of the locks of one's hair. and They were not to become ritually impure by touching anything uh, dead or even coming in contact with any grapes. She's saying, Lord... If you'll simply give me a man-child, I promise I'll dedicate him to you all the days of his life. It's the vow of a mother pleading with God for a child. Would you notice in verse number 12? And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. He's watching her. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, on her, her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. Verse 14, And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. She says, I'm a woman, I'm, I'm troubled. I'm sorrowful. I have need to come before God and lay all of it on the altar before God. I finally decided I'm going to give up that anger. I finally decided I'm going to give up that jealousy. I finally decided I'm going to come before God and pour out my heart to Him. Verse number 16, Count not that handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, have I spoken hitherto? Now, it's an amazing thing what happens next. Eli answers in verse 17, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Eli says, I want to tell you God's going to answer your prayer. I want to tell you you've poured out your heart to God. You've laid your sorrow on the altar, your grief, your agony, you've given it to the Lord. Now I want you to go in peace. And he said, God is going to grant you your petition. Look at verse number 18. She said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat. And her countenance 
Notice that, I've underlined this, was no more sad. She leaves different from the way she came in. Notice that when she received the promise, she didn't need anything else. She didn't need any other proof, only the word of the man of God. She leaves changed. Why? Because she has faith in God's promise. Many times she's come to the temple before. Many times she's come to the house of God before. And yet this is the first time that she's going to leave changed. This is the first time she's going to leave with hope. This is the first time that she's going to leave with a changed countenance. Why? You know why so many of us, we leave God's house the same as we came? We leave God's house and nothing changes? I'm afraid it's because we lack faith in God's promise. I'm afraid it's because the man of God gives us the word of God and the promise of God, and yet we don't respond to the promise of God. And we still have that fear. Or we still have that lack of faith. Or we still have that unforgiveness in our heart. Or we still have that bitterness in our heart. We still have that envy or jealousy in our heart. We lack faith simply trusting God's promise can only get a hold tonight of God's promise. But Hannah leaves different. Hannah leaves different. Before she couldn't eat, and now she's eating. Before she was sad, and now her countenance is happy. Something has changed in the heart of Hannah. You know why? Because instead of focusing now on her adversary and her anguish and her grief and her sorrow, she's focused on God's promise. May I encourage you, church family, let's take our eyes off of our sorrow and off of our anguish and off of our fear and our lack of faith and unforgiveness and our adversary or our adversity and put it on God. That's what Hannah does here. Would you look at verse number 19? They rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Verse 20 tells us that she bare a son and called his name Samuel. Samuel means asked of God. Saying, because I've asked him of the Lord. And every time that my husband and I will call Samuel's name, we're going to remember this is the boy that we asked of God. Samuel Every time that his name is mentioned by his friends, it's going to be realized and recognized this is the child for whom we prayed. Every time we see this kid, we're going to remember God fulfilled his promise. Do you have something that reminds you of a fulfilled promise that God has given you? Do you have something in your life or in your family or in your home or in your daily routine that reminds you of a fulfilled promise that God has given you? Now I see God's part, but let me show you Hannah's part. Remember, she's vowed a vow. Did God fulfill his part? Absolutely. Now I want you to show you Hannah's part. Hannah, God fulfilled his promise. Now it's time to fulfill your promise. You know how easy it is to forget our part of the promise. God, if you would only give me thus and such. I'll serve you, I'll do this and that. Let me say God doesn't forget. He doesn't forget his promise. And he doesn't forget our promise either. Look at verse 24, would you? It says, And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her 
with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. Two times here in this verse, she uses the word lent. She says, as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Now here's where it starts to get good. May I say that the trying of our faith is not always with what we do not have. Sometimes the trying of our faith just might be when we already have received what we've asked God for and God asks for it back. Perhaps it's something we've wanted and finally we received it. We wanted it so much and, and now you have to give it back to God. The trying of Abraham's faith, may I say, was not whenever he left Ur of the Chaldees, though that was a step of faith. The trying of Abraham's faith was not when he came into Canaan and worshipped God. The greatest trial of Abraham's faith was whenever he went to Mount Moriah and offered what for 25 years he had begged God for and hoped for and prepared for. And finally God gives it. Now God says, I want it back. May I say that after going through all that she had to go through to receive what God had for her, now she has to give God back what he's given to her. So they come to the house of God. As they did yearly, and now she brings him and she knows this is the last walk she's going to have with him. She understands as, as a mother's heart is knit to the heart of that child, she understands this is the last, last pilgrimage to the tabernacle. They come to the tabernacle and they offer their sacrifice and she knows she's going to leave him here to serve God in the house of God. She says, little Samuel, you've got to stay here now. I can't take you home with me this time. Samuel doesn't understand. He's only a small child. No, you can't go back with me this time. You can't come back home with me this time. I, I want you to know, Samuel, we'll be back to visit you. And Samuel says, but, but all of Penina's children are going back home. Why can't I go back home? All of the other little kids are going back home with mommy and daddy. Why can't I go back home? And only a mother can understand Hannah leaving her child. She says, I'll come back. When are you coming back? I'll come back every year. And Samuel, I promise I'm going to make you a little coat. And every time I come back, I'm going to, I'm going to give you that coat. She says, I've, I vowed a vow to God. I told him if he gave me you, that I'd give you back to him. I told him that he, if he would just loan you to me for a couple of years, I would loan him you back to God. Now, Hannah gives him a hug, and she goes back home. Perhaps the saddest journey of her life. She comes back home. The next morning, guess who's there waiting for her? There's Peninnah. There's her adversary. There's that person that antagonizes her. There's that person that the Bible tells us that 
There was her adversary that provoked her. But this time, Hannah comes back, and she's changed. She's not bothered anymore. She's no longer irritated. She doesn't let her get under her skin anymore. She doesn't have jealousy. She doesn't have bitterness in her heart anymore. Now she can forgive. Something's changed in the heart of Hannah. She's learned to trust God. She's learned to give it all over to the Lord. Now can I show you one more thing? Very important. Go to chapter 2, if you would. Chapter 2 and verse 18. Chapter 2 and verse 18, would you read that with me? Verse number 18, we'll read down through verse 21 aloud. 2 Samuel 2, 18, ready, begin. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went unto their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Did you catch it? They come back to God's house. And now something's a little bit different. As they come back, they're going to come back and they're going to visit little Samuel. But this time, understanding God is in control of our situation. They come back and she says, you remember me, the priest, Eli, God's man. Says, you remember we're the ones that God loaned a child to. And we've lent him back to the Lord. I want you to notice, first of all, that phrase in verse number 20. It says, Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman. Now notice here, for the loan which is lent. Now the loan was lent first by God and then second by Hannah back to God. You understand, parents, that God has loaned us our children for a time. God has entrusted them to our care, but... He can take care of them much better than we can. His plan and his purpose and his desire and the future that God has in mind is much greater than we could ever imagine. Can we just learn to trust him tonight? Now, I look at this story and I ask God why. Why would this poor mother have to go through this? I mean, what mother should go through something like this? Yet the Lord seems to say, you see, it was never about only Samuel. Samuel was the test. I wanted to give her so much more than Samuel. I want to give her, look at verse number 21, three sons and two daughters. I want to bless her so much more. Samuel was the test. and She passed the test, and now I'm giving her five more children. But you see, before I could give her the blessing, she had to give me her firstborn. She had to give me, by faith, the only and the best thing that she had. You probably don't understand this until you've dropped someone off at college or you've met someone coming to drop their kids off at Bible college. Knowing, yes, this is the greatest thing for them, but it still hurts. 
And it's natural that it would hurt, and, and it should hurt. A parent saying goodbye to their children. Perhaps the greatest trial of your dedication of your child is not the dedication service that we have here. That it might be whenever you turn that child over to the Lord to say goodbye, either to go to Bible college or to the mission field or to serve God or wherever God leads that person. I'm talking to someone here tonight that has had to give something up. You've had to give something up to God and, and you don't understand it. Why would God ask this of me? I'm, I'm speaking tonight perhaps to a teenager. You don't understand why you've had to give this up or why you can't have that. I'm speaking perhaps to, to a father or a mother. God's asked you to give him something that you just know you can't do without. God says, can you trust me? I'll give you so much more than what you're giving to me. You've had to refuse some things, perhaps, that this world offers. You've, you've had to give up some things that you had before. God, why are you asking me for my Samuel? And God says, because I want to give you so much more than Samuel. Why are you asking me to offer you these things that, that I wish I could keep and that I've earned? And God says, because I want to bless you. Hannah, give me your firstborn, and I promise I'll take care of him. And I'll give him to this nation to be used mightily for the Lord. Samuel would be one of the most amazing men used of God. He would be a prophet, a priest, and the last of the judges. He's the last of that transition period between the judges and the monarchy. Before we can have a Saul, we have a Samuel. Before we have a David and a Solomon, we have a Samuel. God says, I'm going to use this man. He's going to be my priest. So evidently, he was of the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe. And I'm going to use this man as a priest. It's God's man for God's people. I'm going to use him as a prophet. I'm going to use him as a prophet to give my message to my people. He's going to be my representative giving my message to my people. But as a priest, he's going to be the people's representative standing before me on behalf of the people. He's going to be my man. He's going to be the representative of my people. But not only that, he's also going to judge them. He's going to provide them guidance. He's going to be their leader. And he will ultimately anoint the first two kings of Israel, who each would rule and reign for 40 years. He's a special man. But before God could use him, parents, Hannah had to loan him back to God. And the, uh, the, the priest says in verse 21, in verse 20, that I'm going to give you more seed of this woman for the loan, which is Samuel, which is lent back to the Lord. Hannah, can you trust me with this? Dear parent tonight, can you just trust God? I'm speaking to parents here tonight, and you just can't accept that God wants your son or your daughter to go into the ministry or to be a missionary or to go to Bible college, or perhaps to go to another college to prepare in the public arena, but yet to serve God. Whatever it is, God says, can you trust me with your child? Can you trust me with your child's future? I'm speaking to a young person here. You say, I, don't, I just don't think God can give me the mate. And God says, can you trust me? Can you just learn to wait on me? 
I don't know if I can give my life to serve God. I don't know if God can use me. I don't know if I can do it. And God says, will you just give me your life? Just loan me your life? God is saying, can you just trust me? I promise I'll give you so much more. God, if you'll give me a Samuel, she says, I promise I'll give him back to you. God, if you'll just, if you'll just give me that job, I promise I'll come to church on Sundays. God, if you'll just give me my needs, then I promise to serve you in the bus ministry. Or God, if you'll just fulfill my dream, I promise to teach that Sunday school class for you. Or God, if you'll give me what I'm begging for, then I promise that I'll finally serve you. May I say, it doesn't matter what God has asked you for. Mark it down. God always gives you more than you've given up. What does the Bible say? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Would you say the last phrase with me? Ready? And all these things shall be added unto you. If you know this verse, can you say it with me? Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men have given to your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you, what? Again. Sometimes the only thing that we can see is what we've given up. Sometimes the only thing we can see is our Samuel. Sometimes the only thing we can see is the test that God is putting us through. Samuel was not the only gift that God wanted to give to Hannah and Elkanah. Samuel was the test. Samuel was never the fulfillment of all of the blessing that God had for them. Samuel was the test that opened up the door for all the blessings that God still had in store for Hannah and Elkanah. Can I ask you tonight, what test are you going through? Are you passing the test? Are you able to trust God? God says, the principle that I want you to learn, the principle of the promise, is this. Here it is. I will bless those whom I can trust with their blessing. Would you go to Mark chapter 10? Chapter 10 with me tonight. Mark chapter 10 and verse 28. Mark chapter 10 and verse 28. Peter evidently fills the way that some of us might feel sometimes. Peter says, I've given all up for you, God. Now what are you going to give me in return? Peter is voicing really what a lot of us think. He's probably voicing what the rest of the disciples are thinking, but they're not bold enough or brave enough to say. Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we've left all and followed thee. I want you to notice Jesus' answer. It's his answer to every one of you and me who also have that same concern. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that have left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold. I want you to say that those next four words with me. Now in this time. Yes, I know I'm going to be recompensed in heaven, but he's saying here on earth, I'm going to take care of your needs. Don't worry, you give up. I'm going to take care of you. David said, I've been young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous begging Bread. God always fulfills the needs of those who can simply trust God. He says, you give up everything in this life for my sake and for the Gospels? Let me tell you, there's no one that can outgive me. 
There's no one that's going to loan to me and I'm going to owe them anything. God always pays his debts on time and much greater than he owes us. He always pays back. Look what he says. In this time, what does he give us? Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Yes, at times with persecutions. And in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. Church family, can we learn to trust God tonight? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know what your Samuel is. Hannah, can you trust God? Hannah says, I'm going to name him. Asked of the Lord. Every time I see that child, every time I pray for that child, every time we call that child, we're going to remember this is the child for whom we prayed and God fulfilled his promise. Church family, can we, like Hannah, learn to trust God with our Samuels? May I ask you, when was the last time that God asked you to obey him, to trust him, to give up something, to give him something? We just can't seem to trust him. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.